Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from Pastor Paul Ogando. Are you ready for the Word of God? Hey Amen. Let's do that. Let's study the Word of God together tonight. You came. Let's do that together. Let's pray. You can remain seated. Father God, thank you so much that we have the ability to access your Word. What an amazing thing, Father. And tonight we do not want to dishonor or take it for granted. We are grateful for the Word of God. We're grateful that it's light, that it's freedom, that it's transformational, that it's doing such an amazing thing. And Father, we open our own hearts today to receive what you would have to say doesn't matter who's saying it. Thank you, Lord God, that you use men and women to share your truth. And so tonight we open our hearts to hear from you, Holy Spirit, because you are the teacher of the church. So come teach us tonight everything we ought to know from your word this very day. And Lord, we pray for every church around us that is teaching the truth of God this very day. And we ask for them also because we're not in competition with any other church. We're advancing one kingdom, and that is yours alone. And tonight we confess that, Father. And we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters, that you would encourage them in the Lord. As your word says, to pray for them as we were in chains with them. So we ask for an encouragement uh, on their behalf from your presence this very day. In Jesus' name we pray. We all say... Amen. Amen. Go to John chapter 9, and we're going to remain there. I might read a verse here and there, but we're going to remain there for um, most of the night tonight. And um, I'll tell you how I came about this a particular message in my heart. For the last few weeks, I've just had to stir in my heart over some things that I've seen in my life and around me, not in my own life, but around me. I started seeing and talking to friends. And uh, my wife and I went to lunch last week real quick. We did a quick lunch, and we were sitting in the car t- talking about different things. And I started mentioning to her all these friends that I've seen that were once with Christ, that were one time a Christian and walking with Christ. And I remember them, but today are no longer walking with the Lord. Or if they are, it's a very muddy relationship with God. One foot in the world, one foot in the church, and not really committed for the Lord. And it so grieved my heart because <clears throat> I just saw a need for that and it was so impactful to me that that very night last week on Saturday night before um, we went to bed I, I brought the children over and I told her I said I really want to share with our family and we opened Hebrews 11 and so I said let's read it one through six and we talked about faith we talked about the importance of believing I told my children this and I believe is a word from God I said at some point the faith of mom and dad will have to become yours you have to decide who you would follow You have to get this clear in your heart because it is the only way for you to remain walking with the Lord. And what I'm seeing today in our society and in our Christianity, and maybe you've heard some famous people that uh, have rejected Christianity. And in a conversation, my wife said to me uh, something that I, I remember, but I didn't remember. She said, well, I myself, she says, for three days... I rejected the Lord. I said, I am no longer a Christian. I don't want to live as a Christian. But she said, for three days, I just had this nagging feeling of God calling me back. And that's because she had, you know, mama praying, family praying. She had a praying church saying, no, you got to come back to the Lord. I mean, she is the pastor's, my father-in-law was a pastor. So the pastor's daughter saying, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. But it just leads me to believe that there is an attack on your faith. As a matter of fact, uh, in the book of Luke, uh, Jesus is talking about prayer. And, and in the context of prayer, Jesus says, there's a woman who insists coming to a judge, a judge that doesn't believe in God and doesn't really care. But she is so persistent that this judge decided to do justice on her behalf because she was persistent in prayer and believing. And then he says this, this is in verse 8, in verse 8, he says the following. Let me see if I have it here. Yeah, Luke 18, 8, he says um, in the NIV, I tell you. 
He will see that they get justice. Talking about her quickly. However, can you say however? however. Means something's going to change. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? For Jesus to ask a question of that magnitude, that is an incredible thing. He says, when I come back, the Son of Man, it was an, a, a phrase that Jesus would use about himself. Would I find faith on the earth? My friends, there is a challenge on what you believe at every corner of the country and of the earth. And it's up to you and I to decide how we're going to make that enduring faith. As a matter of fact, the word God gave me is this, permanence, permanence, the permanence of faith. The permanence of faith. And I know it's not a, a, a common word, and we don't use it a lot in our language. You know, you don't buy two dozen permanence. You don't do any of that stuff, right? Um, and so it's a weird word. I even had to, I knew what it meant, but I wanted to look it up because I wanted to connect with this. And when I was reading this, the Lord brought this word and kept telling me the permanence, the permanence, the enduring, the everlasting. Look at the definition. Look at this definition that I found um, in a dictionary, and it's also uh, in Webster's, and it's also obviously in Google. If you look it up, it says, the state or quality of lasting, the state or quality of lasting, or remaining unchanged indefinitely, durability. So when we talk about the permanence of faith, we're talking about a state or quality of lasting, remaining constant, remaining unchanged, no matter what comes your way. And my friends, I want to let you know tonight that your faith will be tested one way or the other. That which you believe is going to be um, questioned in every area of your life. And more today than in any other day as I, growing up in the gospel, do I find myself having to explain what I believe constantly because people want to know and others want to tear it down. And it is why, very important, that we determine how are we going to have an enduring faith in our walk with Christ in everything we do. So permanence is very, very important that we determine that. Let it not be said of you in a few years, man, I knew this guy in Christ and he's no longer there. I'm sorry, I, I'm not trying to be a downer. I actually want to encourage you tonight. But when I saw friends and people I knew walk away from the Lord, it saddened me. Because I realized that people are not testing and putting their faith through the process and walking away from something they need to walk through instead of away. Are you with me tonight? And John 9, it, I mean, John 9 is, could have been written today. And I'm going to try to contextualize as much as I can. I'm going to read in the NIV uh, because it reads a little more easier, more easier reading. And we're going to read a lot of verses tonight. I'll do my best. We'll end in time, but I'll do my best to kind of give you an idea of what's going on. John 9, I don't know if you were here last week with Pastor... Dan was talking about Jesus. And we were talking about Jesus. He talked about how Jesus walked through a crowd um, and made himself almost invisible when they were trying to kill him. So that happens in John 8. So when he leaves the crowd, he walks, we walk into the scene of John 9. And let's take it there. Let's go together. John chapter 9, verse 1 to 3, that sets up what's going on. As he went along, talking about Jesus, he saw men blind from birth. So this man has an issue that he's had all his life. Let me tell you, many of us have issues that we've had for a long time. And they're just lingering around. And we need Christ for it. As a matter of fact, many of you came because you were blind from birth in one area of your life or the other. 
And so this man finds himself, but I want you to see the question because this is what's happening today. If, let's contextual. This is happening today. Verse 2, his disciple asked him, Rabbi so, or teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I mean, this is one of the questions that trips up people when they're not walking with the Lord. What is the first thing a friend that's not a Christian asks? If there was a God wiser hunger in Africa. If there was a God, how come there's so much evil? The disciples are the same as your friend. Jesus, this guy's blind. What's wrong with God? Who's sin? What's wrong with his parents? My friends, when that question comes along, if you don't have a permanence of faith, if you don't have an enduring faith, it will trip you up. And you will start believing what they're saying and not understanding the goodness of God and how he operates and how you have to strengthen your faith in order to, your faith to walk through this situation. This is so important. If you're going to give them a clap, give them a clap to the Lord. You're not doing that for me, so let them know. Verse 3. Verse 3. Look at this. Look at this. And he says, neither. Jesus is so wise. Is that the hunger in Africa or corruption in some countries or economic downturns? Neither. Neither. I need you to understand why sometimes we go through problems in life. Jesus gives us an answer. Why we need enduring faith and permanence of faith. Neither this man or his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. My friend, your problem is an opportunity for the work of God to be displayed in you. That is the reality of what we're reading today. That is the reality. And if you don't hear anything from me tonight, if you check out, get tired, you know, I get it. I need you to get this phrase. I need you to get this phrase. Not every situation in life is caused by God, but every situation in your life can be affected by God. Not every situation that you're going through is God's doing, but every situation you go through, God can put his hand in it for transformation, for change, for everything that's happened. And that is a challenge of faith. And my goodness, this day and age, we have to believe that. We have to believe that God is willing to intervene. God is willing to interject. God is willing to be invited in whatever situation you're in. I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you something. If you're going to last it, whether you go meet Jesus first or he comes, I want to be found a faithful servant of God till the end of my days. Till the end of my days. And for me to do that, I'm going to have to look at what happened here and how this man being accused of a bunch of things said, there's something that happened in me. And there's three areas where you have to strengthen your faith and your faith will be challenged. Here's the first one. Faith has an internal confession. Faith has an internal confession. Something has to happen on the inside of a man or a woman that yields a result of permanence. Something has to happen. And that is called maturity. Something happens in you that's going to yield that benefit. Something comes to you, a diagnosis comes to you, you have two choices. You fold under it or you go to God. Something happens. You're betrayed by a friend. An economic downturn takes you out. Something challenges what you believe, and you have to decide where you're heading, forward or backwards. Forward or backwards. And I want to encourage everybody, listen. Listen, we're in a time where we're going to have to encourage ourselves to remain strong in that which we believe in God. And I, I find myself preaching this. I preach it in Spanish ministry because I just feel in my spirit like, 
I'm telling my wife, like, I, I just feel right now like I would just want to throw a bunch of ropes and say, man, grab it now, grab it now, grab it now. Do what you got to do to affirm yourself. And it begins with an internal confession of faith. Inside of you, something has to happen for transformation. Inside of you, something has to work itself out. I think I've shared it here, but Bill Graham and a friend of his uh, went to the mountains here. He used to pray right here in Forest Falls, Forest Homes, and, uh, and part of his story is he would come here. And I was watching his uh, testimony on TBN one night, and he shared that he and a friend, they were doing crusades, but they, were ha- they had a crisis of faith. Even Bill Graham had a crisis of faith. And they went up to the mountain here in Forest Homes, and they prayed, him and this other friend. And he said that he made a decision there. He said, God, I am going to believe everything that is written in your word, and I'm going to follow you. Now, listen to this. His other friend did not make the same conclusion. They both came down the mountain. Billy Graham becomes the greatest evangelist we've ever known. The other guy, we don't even know his name. Because Billy said inside of himself, I'm going to believe what you say. A internal confession of faith makes a transformation that is incredible in your life and in my life. And if we're going to remain, if we're going to be uh, enduring faith, we're going to have to do that in our life. Look what happens to this guy. So Jesus comes along and he heals the guy. He comes up and it's amazing. I can't read it all because it's like 45 verses, but I'll give you what's happened in the story. So after Jesus says, that's not his problem. Jesus says, you know, I'm the Lord. I came to bring light. So he walks up to the guy, makes some mud on the floor, puts it in his eyes and tells the guy, the blind guy, go and wash yourself to the pool or shalom or asylum and so which means sent and so I, I get this get this get this this guy's blind jesus puts mud in his face and then tells him go walk to the center of town now many of us would say that is so cruel why couldn't jesus just grab him by the hand and, come on man well i'm gonna go with you i'm gonna wash your eyes that's because he's so compassionate jesus says i already did my part you go do yours people don't like that nowadays But for enduring faith, you're going to have to do your part. (laughs) You're going to have to make that internal confession in your heart. And it says that the guy went, washed his face, and ba-boom, his eyes were open for healing. And then ensues one of the craziest stories of the Word of God. As a matter of fact, if you read it, it's actually comical. And I invite you to read it because it is funny it is funny i wish they'll make an episode of some sort with this thing because it's hilarious okay so i'll do my best so he comes back and as he's walking back not blind anymore look what happens verse 8 verse 8 says his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg because he would beg at the corner of the city because he was blind couldn't work so the neighbors are saying this guy's different that's the same guy that was begging look at verse 9 So some claim that he was. Others said, nah, he only looks like the guy. So everybody's just freaking out. What is going on? This guy looks like it. I want you to see his confession. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Can you say, I am? He had to say, I don't care what you say or you think, I'm the same guy. I'm the same. Internally, he had to say to himself, I am. Something happened to me. I'm going to make an internal confession of my faith. I am that man. And that is a powerful expression that he brings. And we know this verse very popular. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing. And what happened? And hearing by the word of God. So when the word of God is in you, it forms something within you. Matter of fact, Pastor Richard's message on Sunday night is exactly about this. Just put the word in your life. It builds you. 
Because something's going to be transformative in everything you do in your walk and in your life. Are you with me tonight? So verse 10, verse 10, continue on and says, so verse 9 says, I am, and look at the question. How then were your eyes open, they asked. My friends, people want to know about the faith that is in you. People want to know about the faith that is in you. People want to know when you show up to work and they know your family situation. Tell me about what's going on with you. What actually happened that you're able to stand here today? What is going on in your life that you're able to walk this way? What is happening in your life that is so amazing? People want to know. And that is so powerful for you to know because that internal change is going to work itself. So people are like intrigued as to what happened in this guy. And this is the second thing about faith. First is an internal confession that you say, I'm believing this. Secondly, there's an external confession that has to happen. Faith has an external <clears throat> component. Once you believe it inside of you, once you work it inside of you, now it becomes external. Everybody was noticing something different. This guy was blind. Now he's not. I need to know what happened. I need to know what's his story. And that is a powerful, powerful thing, my friends, that we are walking with God in a way that people want to know what is going on in his life. Are you with me tonight? And it's so powerful for us to do that and believe that and make it part of our life. Because unless that external confession becomes alive, people want to know. And they're going to see your life and the evidence of faith. So let's read on. Verse 11. Verse 11. If you have it there, John 9, verse 11 says, he replied, and then he tells his story. The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to, uh, to Siloam and wash. And when I went and washed, and then I could see all my students from Bible college, because I teach on, um, on teaching and preaching. And so I always tell them the most powerful message you can ever preach is your testimony. The most powerful message you can ever preach is what God did in you. When that faith and confession is in you and then you start expressing it, what actually happened, people got to stand back. They're going to know something happened. And it doesn't have to be as impressive. as I don't know if I ever share with you, but I've been in church all my life. And I remember my teenage years, we used to do mission trips. And so my testimony is so boring, right? And so at one point, I was trying to make things up just to look cool. Like, I just joined some fictitious gang or something. I was like... I was like, so boring. Hi, I mean, Paul, I've been in church all my life. Jesus loves you. Everyone's like, okay, good, man. Bring the guy who just got restored or something, right? And so, um, but I remember as I grew up, I got into my 20s, um, the Lord healed me from something. And let me tell you, because we're going to see it tonight, and I want to preface this. I was a horrible, judgmental person. And that's my testimony. That's my testimony. I was never in gangs, didn't do drugs. Didn't do alcohol, but I was always better than you. Until God put a mirror to my face. And then it just flipped my life upside down. See, because everybody was blind at some point in their life. And every one of us needed Jesus to come and touch us in some area of our life. And if people forget what happened to them, they'll walk away from the Lord. And this is why this experience has to become internally and then has to be manifested externally. Are you with me today? And so continue, verse 12 says, where is the man? So people want to know where Jesus is in your life. Where's the man? And they asked him, he said, I don't know. Let me, let me just give you, this is a parenthesis. This one is free. My friends, you and I have access to Jesus 24-7 today. This guy, they were trying to figure out physically where is he? 
But you and I have access to him at all points, at all times, just calling out the name of Jesus. Wow, what a privilege. They're asking, please tell us. Verse 13, they brought the Pharisees, the man. So they brought the man to the Pharisees who had been blind. So here's where things are complicated. Right? So they go to the traditional leaders of the church. Verse 14, now the day when Jesus had made the mud and opened a man's eyes was the Sabbath. And you can read that throughout the word of God. Because the Sabbath was a day of rest, but Jesus said, man, I came to set people free. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. You're getting free if you want it. And, and they hated that because they appreciated the law written above the healing of people. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. People are way above that. I came to die for people, not just the law. I came to fulfill the law, but I want you restored. And the Pharisees couldn't get that. They had a hard time with that. And so they go there and said, who's this guy that healed you? Oh, no, he did on the Sabbath. And my friends, the craziest thing ensues. I can't read it all. It's like 15 verses, but I'll give you the brief run of what happens. So they get this guy and they start an inquisition, right? So they put it on CNN, on Fox News, on everything, right? I got political all of a sudden. Forget that, forget that, forget that. That didn't happen. But so they start, they start on this guy and they go at it. They go at it. They start telling this guy, hey man, you got to tell us who healed you. He said, yeah, I, I, this guy came out and he healed me. And the Pharisees are saying, no one can heal. He's a sinner. He's a human being just like us. And no one sent the blind guy saying, well, too bad, man. This is all I know. I was blind and so something happened. And so they're like, no, whatever, you go. And so they bring the guy's parents Parents, so they sit mom and dad, and they go at him, hey, you lied to us. Was he really born blind? And mom said, oh, yeah, he's my boy, and he was blind, right? And so they're like, no, 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 you have to say the truth. And he said, I love this. She says, or, or he said, he said, listen, he's a grown man. He's of age. Go ask him. Don't ask us. We don't want to know, right? Um, but there's a verse that said they were afraid because the Pharisees had said if anybody would give credit to Jesus, they were going to get kicked out of church and possibly taken to judgment. Can you imagine that level of pressure? That level of pressure on what you believe? That's what is today, my friend. What you believe is attacked at every level. You can't put anything on Facebook unless you're ready to go at it. Right? Like, that's, that's a sad statement. You can't invite friends of different areas in your life because it gets ugly really fast. Now we have stuff called microaggressions. Seriously? Like, we, when there's immaturity in the soul of the human being, they can't withstand what's coming at them. And I want to encourage you, Christians, make a belief solid in your heart or you will not find your way in Christ. I'm so sorry I have to say this stern, but I'm, I just believe God is coming for a strong church and we have to develop a strength within our soul about the things that we believe in every area of our life. That's what he wants. And I want to encourage you tonight, do not back down of that which the Lord brought to you. And it's so powerful. So this guy says, hey, bring them back. And this is where we get them. So they interview the guy. They let him go. Bring the parents. Interview the parents. And the parents said, we don't know anything. All we know, my boy was born blind. He's definitely seen. He's been healed by some man that the parents don't know either. They're just hearing the stories. And then they bring them back. And here's where we take them. Look at this. Verse 24. Verse 24. A second time. Can you say a second time? So what happens many times when you believe something, people want to double check if it's true what you're saying. 
Not a lot of people are going to believe right away. People are going to double check what you're saying. That may be time. That may be a friend would say, hey, I'm glad what you're going through. Get back at me in a couple years because I think you're faking it. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it happens. And you know in your heart, man, I know what happened to me. But they want to check. So a second time, a second time, look at this. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. I mean, can you imagine this? You knew your problem and you know God healed you, but they want to convince you that, no, you're not healed. Give glory to God, they said, by telling the truth. That's pressure right there. That's pressure. By telling the truth, they said, we know this man is a sin. In other words, tells the reality of Jesus. He didn't really do this. And look at this. He replied, the blind guy. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. Can you say one thing? One thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see, my friends. I was blind, but now I see. I don't know what you were, but all you have to say is, man, I don't know what you believe. I don't know what church you go to, but I know what I had. I was in a, I was in a terrible addiction but today I don't have it by the power of Jesus. I don't know where you're at, but I was on the edge of divorce, but today I'm happily married, thank God. I don't know what you believe, but I was in a horrible sickness and the power of God touched my life and today I'm healed. I don't know about you, but all I know is I had something happen to me that changed everything about my life. Everything about my life. I believe this is, uh, this is applied to many people, but it's mostly applied to Leonard Ravenhill, who's a revivalist and amazing teacher. He said, a man with an experience will never be at the mercy of a man with an opinion. Never. Or a theory, I like to say. My friends, once you experience God, it doesn't matter how you want to slice it, scientize it, explain it, uh, you know, teach it away. I felt something and something happened to me. Keep going with your yapping. That's all I know. So I, that's all I know. All I know is when I was a kid, my father was in his deathbed and gave his heart to the Lord. And even though he died, something happened in my mother that changed the course of our entire family. I don't care how you say it, but it changed me. But it changed me. And, and, and this, is, this is the important thing and why I, I was so broken when I saw some of these friends and people I knew walk away from God. Because the experience they felt in the Lord, they allow that to be drawn away from them and convinced by a bunch of theory that have nothing to do with the actual felt in God. My friend, it's very important for you to be close to Jesus and experience Jesus in a deeper way, in a deeper way. Because when you do that, no one can talk you out of it. No one can talk you out of it. No one can. And this is so important for us to do that. Uh, just the other day, um, you know, there's a typical sect of religion that visits the houses on, on weekends. And so almost every weekend I'm fixing something in my house and the house we just move. And so this weekend we're cleaning and painting some things. And so they came by, they already know me. And so like, oh yeah, you, this is the third time they come by. And I pretty much just some really lovingly, I was like, oh, thank you for coming by. You know, trying to be pleasant and trying to be Christ-like. And um, thank you for coming by. Look, I, I already attend the church. I never told my pastor. I already attend the church. I, you know, and I'm very firm in what I believe. And so for some reason, they read that asking, oh, no, let me insist and tell you. And I'm like, dude, I mean, I'm holding a brush full of paint. It's drying. What do you want me to tell you? So, but I remember he said, you know, and he's saying a lot of things that I, you know, because they believe uh, uh, certain things that are true of the Lord, except things they don't. And he said, yeah, you know, because, you know, you don't need to do miracles anymore. I said, ah, 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 ah. 
I said, there's a book in the Bible called the book of Acts full of them. And he's like, he stayed really quiet and got really red. And it's like, but you don't have to do that. I was like, ah, but I believe that I can. And I want to pray for people. And the conversation went really bad after that. But I behaved, I behaved, I behaved, I behaved. Um, and so, so then he says, you know, because the earth, the, the earth is going to remain. And so you don't have to go to heaven. It'll come to you. I say, hey, hey, the book of Thessalonians said that at the sound of the trumpet, we'll be caught in the air, my man. And so, so this is why you got to know your word. This is why you have to be convinced on the inside and let it come out of you and say, you know what, something happened to me. I don't care how you slice it. I've already seen it in a different way because God is active in every way. Are you with me tonight? So let me keep going because my time is flying. Verse 22, let us draw near. This is uh, Hebrews 10. I just want to read this for you. Hebrews 10. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Draw near to Jesus. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. So he's saying, just come to Jesus in faith because we've been washed in our, from our sins. Verse 33, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without what? Wavering. For he who promised is faithful, my friend. He who promised is faithful. And, and that concept is actually talking about the concept of, of a boat that drifts away. It talks about drifting away of the faith. And so if you've ever been on a boat in a long time and then you come back to land, have you ever felt that where you're in land but you're like, right, right? Have you ever felt that? And so he's saying, grab a hold of something solid so you're not wavering that which you believe. And the word of God and the experience you've had in Jesus is something solid to get a hold of in your life. Third and last one for tonight. There's an internal confession of faith. There's an external confession of faith. And faith involves total surrender. Faith involves total surrender. You cannot sustain the truth of God in one hand while at the same time remaining in control in your life. You cannot remain. You cannot do that. You cannot say it's the truth of God, but I'm going to remain in control of my life. When I believed in God, I handed everything to him. Everything was handed to the Lord. And so I want to encourage you today, whatever you feel you're controlling in your life, open your hand and say, God, you need to get a hold of this in my life. you got to trust him in every area of your life. Just believe that because you cannot do both. And this is how the story ends. The man gets kicked out of the church and then he has an encounter with Jesus. Verse 35 in John 9. I'm reading, uh, reading out of the live version of the Bible, which is a a paraphrase, but I like it how it's said at verse 35. Jesus heard that the proud religious law keepers had put the man who had been healed, put the man meaning kicked him out, who had been healed out of the place of worship. He found the man and said to him, do you put your trust in the Son of God? In other words, do you have faith in the Son of God? Verse 36, he says, who is he, sir? This is so amazing. This man had been healed by Jesus, and he yet doesn't even know that Jesus is also the Savior of his soul. And that goes to show you that you can get a miracle, but you're not really surrendered to God. I'm going to repeat that so you don't catch it. You can get a miracle, but a lot of people with miracles haven't completely surrendered to God. I've known a lot of people that way. In my years of pastoring, people come, pastor, my life is a disaster. They surrender to the Lord, and when their life gets good, they walk away. Boy, it got quiet in here. 
I'm obviously not talking about you. You're here tonight. The bunch of people that didn't come, it's about them. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> and then he said, who is he, sir? Tell me, tell me so that I can put my trust in him. People want to know a real Jesus. We want a real faith in you. When they see it, they want to know, man. They want to know. It's so powerful. Verse 37, Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and he's talking with you. Look at this, verse 38. I do put my trust in you, Lord. Then he bowed down before Jesus and worshiped him. He bowed down. He said, total surrender. I believe in you, and I'm going to give you everything. And my friends, for us to have a permanence of faith in our life, we're going to have to let go of control and surrender absolutely everything to Jesus. Absolutely everything. You cannot control your life and then tell God to fix it. You can't. It's impossible. It's like driving a car or teaching someone to drive a car, and they're trying to steer in the wheel, and you're grabbing it from the other side also. That's an accident waiting to happen. I'll end with this. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. I love this verse. Always have. And I want you to get this verse. Get it in your life. Repeat it throughout the week. I want to invite you to do that. Look at this. The Apostle Paul makes an amazing confession. And he says the following. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And gave himself for me. Would you give God a hand for that? It's so beautiful. But in that verse, the Apostle Paul said, listen, I believe in something that while I'm in the flesh, it can only be done by faith. Because he gave his life for me. And so I'm going to live all the way for God. My friends, for us to remain permanent, stable in our faith, we're going to have to believe it on the inside. Act it on the outside. And surrender completely to God. Because in some way or another, your faith will be challenged. Remember this. No matter what situation you're in, it may not have been caused by God. But in every situation you're in, God wants to be involved in your life. God spoke to you tonight. Give him a hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.